0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made ByHeart a better formula for formula. Learn more at Byheart.com.
1: The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the weekly show. Dan here with Michael and with Moscow in a show that is brought to you by our favorite law firm in not just in Leeds. Because they don't just cover Leeds, do they, or Yorkshire? Just cover the whole world. That's not true. Is it not? It's on the World Wide Web, though. That's why I thought that. That's true, but they definitely don't cover the whole world. No. Mainly English law. Yeah. Yeah. Depends
2: what you use. I know property is a bit different
1: in Scotland and stuff, isn't it? But yeah. Do they deal with property?
2: They do, yeah. Conveyancing.
1: Uh-huh. They do that. That's a property and, thing. And if you're buying a house, you wouldn't want to do that without a, wo- a good will, an up to date will, for mm-hmm. example. Very, very important. Yep. And so outlasting powers of attorney as well. You can do that too. Yeah. Yeah, I would. And you probate for when the bad stuff happens? Yep, all the good stuff mm-hmm. and bad stuff. And if you fall out with your neighbours or your employer or your employees, whatever it might be, they can probably sort it out. Do you know that? They can, yeah. Just just get in touch with them. Um, that would be my advice. But what's the, the most straightforward way to do that? We know that people are obviously terrified about ringing people up these days and speaking to humans. Oh, so. God, that'd be the worst. Yeah. Imagine having to speak to one on the phone.
2: No, uk forward slash the square ball. That's the web site addresses Mm -hmm. you will probably have to speak to someone at some stage but they're nice nice, so don't worry about it
1: yeah and uh, you will get a 10% discount on your legal fees for going through us so give them a holler if you have legal matters to attend to right then the weekly update then we'll round up what's happened in the world of Leeds United and we know now it being Thursday morning that we will play Chelsea in the fifth round of the FA Cup on Wednesday the 28th of February just a few days after They have played in the League Cup final, Chelsea. They're playing in the League Cup final on the Sunday. Um, We've got a more important game than that, obviously, with uh, Leicester first Mm -hmm. before that.
2: It's the more fun of the two ties, isn't it? I think going to Villa and just getting beaten would have felt a bit boring. I think you never know a Chelsea, do you? They did beat Villa, which suggests maybe they're not terrible. And they have spent a billion pounds on footballers too, which suggests they should beat us. But there's a chance, isn't there, Michael? There's a chance. There is a chance. The Conor Gallagher factor. Well... (laughs) A turncoat. Didn't want to come, did he? Mm. Didn't want to play for a big club.
1: And now look what's happened to his career. Stalled, if anything. But it's, it's all right, really. Isn't, it? isn't the England squad done that? Yeah, but they're going to totally sell him for FFP reasons, aren't they? Soon because they have to. Yep. Good. And so th- what's want... his
3: motivation to try and win the FA Cup on his way out? Zero silch. I think he's going to score a hat trick of own goals in this just to get them out of the competition.
2: Did you enjoy our FA Cup game the other night, Moscow? It was Rob on the match ball. Did you stay awake for it all?
3: Yes. Good. Good enjoyed it all uh, I enjoyed us winning first half was a bit meandering but yeah it was kind of the extra half hour turned out pretty well three lead goals
1: can't complain some of those was very good mm. will we beat Chelsea then do you think probably not but you know that's okay the magic of the cup might argue differently in fact do check out the magic of the cup we've got uh, for our members as well our daft cup competition but well, we know we, we run like an annual cup competition it's just a bit of silliness and a bit of fun hmm. um, because obviously our interest in the FA Cup is generally over by this time so we want to maintain some cup fever It's dragging um, on this year isn't but it? It really is dragging on so um, that is over on the on the members feed the TSB Plus feed by the way It does kind of have a parallel to last year when we
3: hmm. we needed the replay in round three didn't we to get past Cardiff and then beat Accrington at this stage and then it was a Premier League. We got a big Premier League tie in West London that did for us. We were a Premier League club at that point as well though but it didn't quite feel the same. So it is kind of following it last year's pattern but yeah I would hope for something slightly less dismal than what went down at Fulham.
2: I think Fulham as well. There's not much magic there is there? I know they've been a Premier League team a lot more than us in the last 20 years but I still don't really count them.
3: They're kind of an interesting presence in the Premier League because they do seem to be more tourist based mm. than anything else those like neutral tickets that you can get to go to watch and they always seem to have a few players like William being there It's kind of like he's just there because he's quite famous and so you you can't get a ticket to watch Chelsea or Spurs or Arsenal or one of the like kind of good London teams Chelsea want to be back part of that again but you can be
2: like oh I'll go Fulham they've got some some players I've heard of and is see what football's like and I don't mind spending 75 quid because it's my one game that I'm going to this year so yeah. fine but yeah and sort of there for you know when teams go
3: to other countries on tours and stuff so it's like Liverpool going there you can get a ticket for Fulham it's like oh a real really good Premier League team are coming
1: we get uh, to see them visit are Fulham the diametric opposite of what we are as a football club Um. I think they'd have to be more successful right? to
2: be actually the opposite. Mm, yeah. Maybe culturally. I like it I we've taken this opportunity to completely <laughs> unnecessarily just slag off Fulham. That's you
1: know, just an interesting thought. I just thought, is there a club that's more kind of opposite to what we stand for as a rule and what we the way we're perceived as well mm. than Fulham? Like you say, yeah, if they'd won more, then maybe, yeah. They're nice as well, aren't they, Fulham fans? That's what I mean. Yeah, we're, I feel a bit sorry for them we're in some bastards. ways
3: that when we're trashing them so because they have had that kind of uh romp up through the divisions from division four to the premier league and established themselves there and you think well, that's that's pretty good but then they've kind of lost control of their fate a little bit where they've just fallen into this sort of touristy trap and Luton are kind of resisting that when Luton it will probably be just as easy for them to do the same as coming up from the national league getting into the premier league and going well it's a London Luton Airport is right there so we could be we could turn ourselves into a destination for anybody across Europe who like oh I want to go and see a Premier League game I'll buy a flight to London Luton get off the plane go to Kenilworth Road and see Liverpool or Manchester City but Luton have definitely avoided any of that kind of stuff they're very much more like no we're going um, to try mainly... and win the Premier League with this squad that we've brought up from the 4th Division
2: I do think they have mainly avoided that by being in Luton is it that's a key rather than being in West London, being in Luton? But the airport, you're not considering the airports.
3: <gasps> yeah, straight not... off the plane, straight, just like. You can see Big Ben can't a terrace you? <laughs> <from> the... <laughs> Straight off the plane, straight through somebody's garden in their mid terrace into the stadium, football. Great. Perfect <laughs> holiday. Just on the doorstep, isn't it? And you can see
2: yeah. all the other stuff that's in Luton too while you're there. Well, I was thinking this because
3: the FA Cup, uh, the, the World Cup, Plans have been announced for the USA in uh, 2026, and the final is in New York slash New Jersey, which is, I mean, the stadium is in New Jersey. Mm. There is no doubt, like, it is not in New York whatsoever. Same thing. The other interesting thing I've I learned about uh, that stadium, I can't remember what it's called, it's illegal
1: to walk to the stadium. Is it the, because I went to its, I think what, what is its forerunner at Meadowlands? which is in the same complex, but I think they might have now built a new stadium near, because that's what they tend to do, because of the the amount of land they've got. Just chuck a new stadium up next to the old one and then demolish the old one and turn it into a parking lot. But I went to the Meadowlands complex in 2005, I'm going to say, because I was in New York celebrating my birthday and then realised it coincided with England playing Columbia in a friendly at Meadowlands. So I ended up going on the final day of the holiday, got kicked out of the hotel that morning, had nothing to do before the flight from JFK at like eight o'clock that night. Ended up going to a football match. It was weird going from the jarring kind of cultural contrast of mooching around in New York, I mean, dead New Yorkie, to then suddenly going back and being among loads of British football fans mm. and stuff like that on the buses to the uh, to the stadium. But yeah. It will be at the MetLife
3: Stadium. But yeah, no pedestrian access. And if you try, you will be jailed.
1: I got, told, I got told off for taking a photograph of the stadium when I was there. Stood outside it and took a photograph of the stadium. No photographs of the stadium, please. Sorry. What? Security risk. No way. It's like, mate, I'm from England. I'm just taking a photo of a stadium I'm visiting. That's very odd. Yeah.
2: Not like you weren't in some sort of back corridors taking pictures of fire doors or anything. No, I was Just just like a generic tourist photo.
1: It's like being stood outside Ellen Road and taking a picture of the South Stand from Ellen Road itself. Yeah. And going, there's the South Stand at Ellen Road. Yeah. Mm. Weird, eh? Yeah. It's also emphatically not in New York, even though it hosts New York named teams. Next, you're going to be telling me Luton's not in London. Well, that's where we began, and at the Levi Stadium isn't in Levi um, in, in a pair of jeans. Yeah, exactly. The field of jeans. Actually, talking about being diametrically opposite, I do wonder. Actually, is Chelsea the closest embodiment of something? Because we used to be seen as like the thuggish Northerners, and then there was the London press, and Chelsea was seen as quite a, kind of quite cavalier and you know sort of football purists and stuff, wasn't? They? And then they kicked the shit out of each, out of each other in the nineteen seventies. But they were lo- they were loved by the press. We weren't. That's kind of the whole view of. North-South
3: divides along the lines of, you know, the craze, just, just lovely lads who wanted to make sure that the mother was looked after. They, lo- they? they loved their moms. Whereas um, up north, just thuggery, like wanton violence with uh, <laughs> with no rhyme or reason because we didn't wear a nice we. I'm not saying I was involved in any 1960s violence, but if I had been, I would probably not have been wearing a Savile Row suit and that's kind of, that's where it's all. A well-dressed uh well-dressed form of
1: hooliganism is what you got from Chelsea. What would your weapon of choice have been if you were a 60s gangster? What would you have gone for? Um, cosh? I for, can't imagine you with a cosh. You, yeah, could, you, know. could take, you could take a man down, but you're probably not going to kill him. I don't feel like you're a killer.
2: No. Just, <laughs> just slashing the faces, I had Yeah. Just to send a
1: message. That's what you'd be about. <laughs> He's not having a bar of it, is he? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh that game is, yeah, as we said, Wednesday, the twenty eighth of February against Chelsea between the Leicester game on the Friday and Huddersfield on the Saturday. That's gonna be Kaiser Chiefs week, by the way, here on the show. More details about that to follow in the next week or two. Were Chelsea any good? I didn't What I
3: was looking at um Max Gradle getting to the Afghan final, which was nice, thirty-six year old. Max Gradle with a good cross for Seb Heller, and they won.
1: Um, so I wasn't really paying attention to Chelsea. didn't watch that one but I watched the Nigeria South Africa game before it which was absolutely amazing entertainment the closing sequence of that when Nigeria thought they were 2-0 up but then it got pulled back for VAR who gave a penalty to South Africa a couple of minutes from the end which then sent into extra time and then South Africa missed a golden chance to win it deep into injury time when the keeper parried a shot so they should have gone through perhaps but then it all went to a shootout and got very exciting but um, no I watched it and well, I half watched it I was sat tip-tapping away on my computer doing other stuff but just keeping like half an eye on the telly seems like they just kind of weirdly ran away with it in that way that sometimes happens with Premier League games mm. I know it's not one of the Premier League game, but you know games between two Premier League sides that sometimes one of them will just beat another
2: I don't, that is how football goes to be honest yeah.
1: but no but you didn't look at it and go they're absolutely hammering them it was
2: like every time Chelsea went forward they seemed to score mm. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, putting some faces to the names for Chelsea players because every, every week I see the lineup and I go pfft <sighs> I oh, don't of these people. It turns out they paid like forty million quid for every, absolutely every
1: one yeah, of them. Yeah, I say. Sad thing is, we can't take it to a replay either, can we? There's no replays from round five onwards, so it will be settled on the night. Oh well, but hopefully, it should be a half decent allocation, bit of fun and games, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, let's round up what happened at the back end of the window, shall we? One of our new acquisitions, which was uh, quietly announced, was Jordan Miles, the new head of recruitment. Uh, who I mean, we sort of knew about this anyway, didn't we? Aberdeen, yeah. Yeah, he's, he was only up in Aberdeen for a few months. Maybe he saw what was coming up, the uh, what was flying in from Cornwall, and decided, do you know what, time for a change of scene. You don't really need a head of recruitment if you've got Warnock in the dugout, do you? It's it, just speak to his agent friends, like you know, Willie Mackay, for example. Mm. I know you had close links with him. Mm.
2: Yeah, but it's—I um, feel like this was announced sort of several months ago, wasn't it? I'm sure Phil was writing articles about this last year.
3: I think it's because he left Aberdeen. And he was like, "Well, I'm going to Leeds, but they wouldn't let him join Leeds until after the transfer window closed. In case I don't know, we we signed loads of Aberdeen's
1: targets, mm. which would have upset them. Are they are they in Europe at all, Aberdeen?
2: I don't believe so.
1: No. I mean They've got a lot of helicopters to get to so the, the oil old oil rigs, rigs yeah. quite near to Iceland. That's true. Yeah. That counts. Yeah, close enough for me. Yeah. So yeah, we got um, we got kind of Robertson, as you know, a fullback at last. Mm. Happy with that? Yeah." And
2: he knows people, doesn't he? He's just seem, he seems like a very sensible way to go about signing a full He
1: knows people in the Cray sense of the word, or he just knows people? He knows
2: people. He knows Joe Roden, he knows Dan James, all his Welsh mates. He's been playing. He was in like the team of the year last year, wasn't he? In the championship and stuff. So he's got got—he's got some obvious credentials for this league. Champo in pedigree. A, in a position that yeah. we really need. So He once tried to strangle Thomas Frank. Yep. That's good as well. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Frank has paid people to do that in the past, but this Conor Roberts did it because he was angry.
1: What does that sort of thing cost you these days? That's Thomas. That's Thomas. Are oh, you know where? Uh, no, I'm not sure. No, not sure. It's not going great for them. I mean, just while we're doing a, a meandering tour of West London, not going that great for them at the minute, is it? No, they'll be fine, won't they? Probably Premier given that the two of the bottom three are so shit in the Premier League. So you're, you're probably scrapping over one place. But it, I mean, looking at the bottom end of the Premier League, because we're not in it, we're allowed to be sort of bitter about the people that are. Mm. Sheffield United obviously going down because they're 10 points adrift. Burnley going down seven points adrift.
2: I hope once they're mathematically down, everyone takes the opportunity to eat sandwiches in front of Chris Wilder.
1: Yeah. Because
2: then you'd be like, not a Premier League manager.
1: Not anymore. Um, And then it looks like it's probably between Everton, Luton, Forest, and Brentford, although you wonder if points deductions are going to get factored into this kind of want Forest
2: to go down now just to see what happens because mm. they've got so many players and I suspect they don't have properly arranged contracts because their owners are maniac mm. and so they'll probably just end up having to pay like 40 footballers Premier League salaries for 10 years in the championship so
1: like, it does, it kinda does feel want, like, I kind of want to see it it does feel like it's Everton's turn, though doesn't it it'll ah, be alright but what if they get another points deduction funny okay who do you want to go down call it out of those teams Forest right Moscow, any preference? Not really. No. All of them. Um, Luton can stay up. I felt bad
3: because earlier in the season I sort of implied that they were sort of skipping along, just happy to to get relegated. And then since then, I don't think they've lost a game. But what I meant was that they were kind of approaching being in the Premier League in a more like sensible way than Sheffield United ever have, where they were just like, you know, let's see what we can get out of this, or like let's get a win let's get a, an away win, let's get an, an away goal. They're all kind of these markers where they were just like, let's let's just do these things and see where it takes us and where it's actually taken them. It's pretty far like further up the table than a lot of people would have predicted. So I'd kind of like that to work out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we get promoted, it should be an easy six points next season as we send them crashing back down. Excellent. Um,
1: yeah, we were wrapping up the uh, the transfer window, Connor Roberts.
3: It felt like that could have been done a lot sooner, but I suppose it was everyone. It was because... He was The obvious choice probably if he'd said on the 1st of January, which right back should we sign? We'll sign well, the one that's mates with Ampadu Roden, and Dan James, and who like just has to come across from Burnley, and who seems uh dead desperate to play for us and has been ever since. Um, he heard the fans booing Gary Monk. That's the <laughs> real he really got a kick out of playing at Elland Roden, hearing us calling him a snake, uh, calling his manager a snake, so he's wanted to be part of that for ages, but then. They needed a right back, didn't they? So Well that's the other logic of the um the transfer window is waiting to get the one that you want and if it takes thirty days instead of ending up with some, you know, you sign Lawrence De Boc, and then Connor Roberts comes available and ah uh, well, which we kinda waited.
1: Did you so. um, did you like the clubs don't go to bed just yet, but in Welsh? Nice move. Yeah.
2: Obviously I don't understand it, but you know, people translated, didn't they? Speaking of De Boc, the transfer window really just felt like a clearing out of all Victor Alter's work, didn't it? All his yep or oh, Victor's pipeline. We've just gone. Yeah, Victor's pipeline. Has he got? A, has he cleared it out recently? Who
1: knows? That might be the episode title, right there. I think Victor's pipeline
2: he used to be a pathway, but it turned oh, into it, a,
3: yeah. turned into a pipeline and got clogged. <laughs> Did we have to get Dyna Rod out to uh, declog the pipe? A mm-hmm. little unfair on Sean McGurk. I yeah. wouldn't. Just, I wouldn't compare him to a fatberg.
2: No. No. It's, I'm glad we've let McGurk go. Yeah, because for years it's felt like he's he's always been going to be able to play and play pretty well but he's never going to even get on the bench and we will sometimes put two goalkeepers on the bench but never show McGurk he's like for God's sake let the man let the man
1: leave do you remember back in the olden days when we used to have the reserves and it wasn't age restricted Mm. and there was like for example when we signed Rod Wallace Ray Wallace signed along with him and Ray Wallace you know got a handful of first team appearances but he was ostensibly just a reserve team player He, he signed to play in the reserves you get the feeling that that could have happened to McGurk back in the olden days he'd get to 30 he'd made Two first team appearances or something like that, and he'd just been in the reserves every week. Then to just, be fair, to be fair to Ray Wallace, after he left Leeds, he did become a bit of a Stoke
3: City stalwart. Yeah, um, so he didn't he didn't wait too long. He had his he had his time. Dylan Kerr as well. He was at Leeds as captain of the reserves very proudly, and then um, at one point, Gordon Strachan as he tells it, got hold of him and was like, "It's go and play somewhere. It's like you've done enough um, reserve time here, and you got moved to." I think it was Kilmarnock, and ended up winning a lot of stuff uh, with them. I might go to Reading first but yeah had a good time McGurk his um, first interview when he went to Swindon was quite illuminating where he's like yeah I've been playing really well this season and I'm quite glad that I'm going to be playing for an actual team now <laughs> instead of just basically wasting his talent he, he didn't pissed. say that but wasting his talent in the under
2: 21s he appears to have never played a senior game even though he's 20 which is a bit not weird. even for Wigan not even for Wigan according mm. to Wikipedia anyway
3: it's a funny one. The under 21s, because, like speaking to the sort of the clearing out of the pipeline and stuff, it is sort of by definition. And the under 23s, as was, because of the way that, that those competitions and those age levels are now constructed, they are basically that's where you go if you've not succeeded as a 17, 18 year old and you're trying to get back in. So they are almost by definition going to fill up with could make it rather than will make it. Because Archie Gray, did he, he played a few times for the under-21s, but he was 16-15 at the time. With that talent, just get straight into the first team. And there are lots of...
1: If you're good enough, you're old enough.
3: Yeah, basically. And if you are sort of good enough, but you've not quite done it, you're in the under-21s. So there's a lot of people kind of looking at the results of the under-21s lately where the team doesn't look very good and we don't seem to have like a lot of... like There's not a, a burgeoning groundswell of talent about to burst through from the under 21s who were getting beaten although they drew in the cup uh, this week and that was Chelsea as well wasn't it 3-3 three, three. and you look at those players you think oh any of those going to make it and you're like no because if they were going to make it they a lot of them are 21 and if they were going to make it they'd probably be in a, a team or they'd be out on loan so it's kind of it's a glass ceiling thing isn't it what we did with uh, and it's not a bad policy um, to get players in like McGurk Willow, I don't think we got a fee from in the end but Hjelda um, the talk is that we might have made a profit on him. So we get him in, put him in the under-21s. Is he going to make it as a championship uh, Premier League player for us? Maybe not, but we can sell him on. So you kind of go, yeah, that's fine. The ones that kind of stick out as mad are, like JB is the one where it's like five million quid and now he's gone to Plymouth. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Lewis Bate is probably a, a better example where it's like, get him out of Chelsea, bring him here see what happens but if it doesn't work it don't work. Brentford have turned it into a, an art form where they they got rid of their academy for a while and just had a B team made up of players who just didn't make it at other clubs. So it's not the stupidest idea in the world but execution is always the, the prime thing. It's not the strategy it's that you just bought a load of players that didn't make it. But then the the flip side is Melier, Stroud, Somerville, those three
1: pretty good. there's there's probably a financial imperative as well in that even if these players, when they get onto professional contracts, when they're not on like the the youth or the young person's contract, 10 grand a week is still half a million quid a year. And then if you inflate that to 20 grand a week, which some of them might quite conceivably be on as as young professionals. I don't know what the the, the sort of young players professional contract scale is, but 20 grand a week is still a million pounds a year. And when you've got financial fair play to contend with in this division and your allowable losses are 13 million... Suddenly, you're £1 million a year. They start to add up, don't they? So I, I suspect that's part of what you're seeing as well, that players who maybe signed contracts, perhaps when we were in the Premier League or got professional terms when we were in the Premier League or maybe renewed or whatever it might have been, are probably costing us a fair amount of money mm-hmm. since we've come down. So really? you, you may you may as well try and offload as much of that cost as possible. Signers like Bate and Pervader,
2: who you're picking up off Champions League teams. I know we're saying in the Championship, but they sort of make sense when you're in the Premier League and you've got a decent bit of money to burn and you can think, well... We can afford a few speculative ones, and if one or two of them work out fine, and if you're in the Premier League and you're loaning players out, you seem to be able to turn that into a way of making money as well. Where you'll just have someone that you loan to the Championship, and you cover their costs, and you maybe eventually they have a good season in the Championship, and you sell them for five million quid at the end of it. Whereas in the Championship, things need to be leaner, don't they? And you need that was the thing that Bielsa did essentially. Anyone who was in the squad contributed, and it's become clear with the, these players that have gone they're not going to I mean Perveda's had a little go this year so she held her right at the start of the season but
1: essentially we've taken a look at them and gone mm, we could do without and you said well Perveda, we're not going to renew you in the summer contract's too big or you're not quite going to make it whatever it might be offload yeah, so it's 24 yeah offload some of the cost now yeah just off you go and it's the same with bait, isn't it out of contract in the summer he's obviously not going to stay so go on go be free go have a career somewhere else
3: and It's a bit. it's a bit of a structural problem with the whole world of football in some ways because when you talk about the the wage cost of these players we've got to have at least 11 of them to play in the under-21s so there's always going to be although you're right that kind of the, the Premier League boost that some of their contracts might have had or the what contracts they were given under the previous regime might no longer make financial sense we still need some players to play it's like what happened in the, the first summer of Rodriguezani and Orta where you know players like Oriol Ray was doing a, an interview the other week we'd kind of forgotten about and there was Kuntum and Uzkov and um, who else. The mistake was that they all got announced, but we really just like went, we need to get some players in because there were, we literally did not have enough players to put out an under-21s team. So it's a cost that every club has to put up with, but then because it's under-21s and, and under-23s as was, a player like Perveda by the time they get to 24 and McGurk to an extent where say he's never played a senior game wasting the time yeah where'd you put them really yeah yeah, and you would under previous systems where you had a reserve league pretty simple and you would get players always say it was a bit more competitive because you'd have a real mixture of players and Perveda, if he was still in our reserves would be up against 30 year olds from other teams and 18 year olds from other teams it'd just be like a team of players who were not in a first team but really players like McGurk Yelder, Perveda should be playing first team football for somebody But the way that FFP is kind of constructed and turned them into like profit drivers means that they're they're just kicking their heels in academy squads, playing low stakes, boring football in empty grounds. And then, yeah, Pervader, I mean, 24 is like half a career gone. And I was going to say, he's going to be playing in an empty ground, isn't he? It would. But you talk about, I mean, there's talent level comes into that, but then is it better to be playing under-21s football, for a championship team or first team football for a League Two team like Sheffield Wednesday mm. to be.
2: I mean, by 24, Archie Gray will have about 250 appearances under his belt. So I was saying the other night, one I, that I feel like Archie Gray, I've almost stopped considering him a young player now because he's just good. He's just one of our best players. And there's a thing with young players, you kind of give them a lot of leeway. You go, oh well, they're going to be in and out. They're going to be. They're going to make mistakes and stuff. Because Archie Gray just doesn't. You just go, fine. He's he's up there. He's on a level with. Ampadu, for example, who has played two hundred games. He's just he's that good straight away.
3: Yeah, I mean, to stick with Paveda as the yeah. example, Rutter, Somerville, Nyonto, they're all younger than him. Dan James is probably a little bit older, is he 26? Not, not much. So yeah, there comes a time where you just gotta say "It's go and play somewhere else, mate.
1: We are uh, we're five weeks out from Archie Gray's eighteenth birthday. Apart from a new contract. What are you getting him? Just uh, so,
2: does James Milner done the book? Feel like he could learn something from a James Melner. Just steady away, Archie. Don't do anything silly
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: We've assembled the TSB jury now, thanks to the assistance of Levi's Listers. Who We should say just from a a, a legal standpoint, I suppose, that they've actually had nothing to do with with this. This does not constitute actual legal advice. Go to them guys for it, though, because they're good. Correct. Right, um, we need to pick a Ken Bates villain of the week. We also need to pick a Baradi hero of the week, and you know we can dish out various other accolades and negative labels as well. We can assign petty grievances, cheap shots, throw people under the bus—anything you like, really. So, um, so where do we begin? Actually, you—you've spotted Ken, haven't you, Michael? Meant to say, spotted
2: him. What out and about on the internet? Yeah, he did a thing with a Chelsea YouTube thing about a month ago. It's all about Chelsea.
1: Unfortunately, what we should do is see if we can like pull a clip together for propaganda next week, just a, a really short bit, just so people can hear how more incoherent he sounds. I mean, he's like 90,
2: not to defend Ken Bates for a second, but he is really old. That's not what you were saying before. He's, he's a,
1: really, really old. He's your favorite lead owner, you said. That is, if you
2: were asking me to list my favorite one in like the year 2009 it would have been Ken Bates or not potentially because at the time he didn't know who he, didn't, he
1: didn't own us did he
2: So that's true A, a favourite runner of Leeds United mm. whatever fucking role <laughs> Ken gave himself during this period depending on how hands on or hands off he was pretending to be in that particular week anyway he looks very very old doesn't he he does very sunken does.
1: around the eyes and babbling incoherently about the tea lady at Chelsea and stuff wasn't it mm. and, and all sorts of strange things would we let Jonathan Pierce interview him that would be a
3: real trip down the olden days. I heard you all on the match ball after the Plymouth game talking about, complaining about Jonathan Pierce. So I am claiming him as the villain so that I get to have a go at him because <laughs> I have hated him. If you think Joey Barton started like commentator criticism um, recently because I think he thinks there's some money in it, I've loathed Jonathan Pierce's commentary for probably longer than I don't know uh, Joey Barton's been alive. If um, but there's never been a, there's never been a penny in it for me. It's just been genuine. Just, I still, there's a, there was a game at a World Cup. It might even have been like Euro 2018 when Jonathan Pierce's commentary was summed up by, I still don't know. And we talked about this on the podcast at the time. So if anybody's been listening for six years, sorry, but a German player had a shot and hit the crossbar and he just babbled on but never said who it was. And still to this day, don't know who hit that shot. He was like, oh, that's a great effort there by the, the twice-capped German under-21 international who moved from Freiburg to Stuttgart in uh, 2017 and racked up. Uh, he, he managed to get 10 goals there and his father worked in a um, a tractor factory in the, the Black Forest and then moved into uh, Gatto Manufacture. And he was just on and on and on and on for Gatsom. ages. Gatsom, while whatever oh else God. was going on on the pitch. and st- But never actually said his name. It was like he was setting a quiz. So you have to go and like, oh, like, put it all together. Like, oh, it was him. Still never, and it was like that on them. the Plymouth game. I felt at times like Matthew Upson was performing the... <laughs> trying to reel him in. Well, was that like performing the role of like an indulgent grandson mm. where he'd be like, yeah, but... Are you watching the game though? Like, he's like, Oh, yes. So, oh, you, your dad knew Don Reevey and he used to travel up, oh, before there were motorways. Yes. But uh, but Wolf Nyonto's just had a shot, hasn't he, Jonathan? Anything to say about that? No, I don't know. He just, he represents his his style of commentary has always represented something that, a direction that I don't like and which a lot of commentators have gone in. I think Matterface is now among the, the real guilty parties of just is not- it fact padding. Just not talking about what's happening. Yeah. Listen to old games. And this is a bit like going back into the the good old days stuff. But a lot of the commentary would just be like... um uh, it's, Roden, a bo- it's a ball out wide. Yeah, Rodon passes the ball to Furpo. Furpo is looking forward, gives it to Ampadu. And you can keep track because especially... This is primetime BBC One. So it's a lot of people watching that game who do not normally watch Leeds against... Plymouth, and although we know all our players, we don't know a lot of the Plymouth players, particularly with them having um, a number of non-regular first-team players there, I want to know who they are and I want to know who's got the ball. And you can drop in the occasional, you know, if the ball's out of play, well, the guy who just got tackled say, well, he's um, he's been playing pretty well, blah, blah, blah. There was
1: interest in him from Lazio, for example, yeah, which you would, got the extended that,
3: anecdote about. That would do. But, but instead, it's just like this constant babble while the game is going on and I could have that chat with somebody you sit there and there's a, a game on and you go like oh I, how's work Um, yeah it's not too bad what's been going on it's like that there's as much involvement him and Matthew Upson may as well just have been that sitting down talking about oh do you remember the uh, the World Cup final in 1982 oh yeah that, that was a good game I just have the Leeds versus Plymouth match on in the background
2: I thought Upson was I described it as quite boring, didn't I, as we were watching it? Like a very, very safe pair of hands who yep. gone, who will cause no offence and will sit and politely listen to Jonathan. And he's, he does the key own role in that he will occasionally just explain exactly what has happened mm. as a replay goes on. So we go, and you can see the cross has come in here and he's got his head onto it, but the keeper's just tipped it around the post. And you go, yep, that's. What we're after. That's what we saw. That's what, that's what everyone watching has seen. My so favourite well done. bit
3: of uh, upsonism in that game was uh, Pierce did actually try to get something from the match going. He said, um, "I think it might have been Nyantoh, but whichever one it was, he's oh, uh, what do you think of Nyonto's performance, Matthew?" And he went, "Very good." <laughs> <laughs> like cool, clear. Uh, he, he, there was obviously a rest, and I think Pierce may have been looking at him, or maybe the producers like and like, like, expand, like, expand. Yeah, he's putting some good crosses. But there was a while where he just thought that was fine, and in a way, it was. Just like, how, how has he played?
2: Well, I watched because um, Gladiators is on the new series, and my kids are really into it, and they want to watch more of it. So I, I found the first ever episode, well, for UK episode, on YouTube, and there's a bit at the start of that where I think it's Ulrika rather than Fashnu, who's awful presenting, by the way. I'd Not fully appreciated at the time how bad Fashnu was, but they've obviously, you know, they get like a little anecdote lined up and Ulrike says the contestant it was really dry on it she goes and I hear you were in a pantomime and the contestant goes yes i was i was in a pantomime he's
1: supposed to say oh no i wasn't
2: and that was it there was no anecdote right. it was just i here in a pantomime that is factually correct yes yep.
1: <laughs> end of story what we did get the the color that Jonathan Pierce attempted to add about him was he was saying he was born in Plymouth yes it did allow us to create a fantasy world in which his mother was sucking off sailors at the dock. <laughs> in our yeah. idle moments, so there was that entertainment that he provided. Yeah, that was part of it.
3: The other bit I noticed, he was talking about one of the Plymouth players. He was like, he's a he's a really good footballer. Had a great career representing Bath, <laughs> Taunton, Maidenhead. all this, and it's kind of like trying to. It was quite sweetly old-fashioned in a way where you would say, "Oh yeah, stalwart of the game, four hundred games in Division three. Great, but it was just, it, it was very unrelated to really what was mm-hmm. going on. We're just hearing him going off down. I I do it, but I'm not, you know, nobody's like hanging on my every word to find out what's happening in the football match. Does not like lead to building an attack while he's going on. Of course, the highlight of his career was the trophy final for back in 1987 when he really distinguished himself that day. It's like he's closer to rugby league. Which loves that kind of like, oh, yes, he had the, he turned out for St. Ellen's after, a, 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 you know, he'd crashed his car in the morning and still turned out in the afternoon. <laughs> then that, he got they, married yeah, that evening. They, they talk about that on the streets of St. Ellen's to this day, all that kind of stuff where it's everything is very stuck in the, like the, the
1: aftermatch social club of 1986. Anyway, yeah. um, Josh has provided a witness statement to this. Well, it's on a similar tip.
3: I would like to nominate Andy Hinchcliffe for this week's villain because he's an insufferable twat. Uh, For anyone watching Sky Sports, we all heard him backtrack and then double down on his stance. The router went down looking for that penalty, and even after a 15-minute halftime break, he still wouldn't let it go. The first thing that came out of his mouth as the whistle went was about the router penalty.
1: What a child. What a twat. Not a fan. See, I
2: was lucky enough that I watched the replay of this game on LUTV, so I, I had Bryn and Tony.
1: Yeah. So, this was a Bristol game I obviously referred yes. to. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, they, those two are fine. Right. So, are you putting forward Jonathan Pearce because you seem to be quite passionate about it? JC makes a good point about Andy Hinchcliffe
3: as well and the way that the, the Sky Champo commentary. Who is it that? What's the name of the guy? That does the main Weaver. Weaver. Gary Weaver and Andy Hinchcliffe. Because their thing that JC refers to is not as irritating. If it's not his irritating off-camera laughing with the commentator about their shit inside jokes, it's him not being able to understand the game. But those inside jokes are just like a constant... You can always feel them coming because Weaver will mention somebody like... There was one in that game where he mentioned uh, Joe Royal. It's like, oh, Joe Royal sacked a couple of players once... Uh, did he ever sack you Andy because he managed you didn't he he's like oh no he thought I was good he's like why did he think you were good ha 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 and it's just like he'll always build up to this idea of like oh you were fucking rubbish weren't you Andy Hinchcliffe and at one point Hinchcliffe he laughs along but we know how much of a kind of a stalwart dickhead he was about the penalty (laughs) I think he'll bring that same attitude. Weaver will say the wrong thing one time mm-hmm. where he'd be like, Yeah, you you never scored a fucking goal because you were rubbish. You'd have to go, Actually, I was fucking brilliant at free kicks and throw him off the gantry. I
2: played for England. You're still yeah. commentating in the championship, prick. So I have a fucking think about why that is. Just don't, you know, on the like the inside
1: jokes thing. I mean, I'm sorry to be a, to be a I did this in my previous career, bore about the radio thing, but I was always told like, it's like, don't have little in jokes in the studio because they're, they're exclusive in the sense that the audience feels excluded and annoyed by them.
2: I think is, that I think I'd find, find it all right if I thought Anthony's Cliff was a decent or amusing man. Right. I mean, I didn't. I've not. I've known his work been before, so I've not been offended by him this week. I have to say, but maybe I'll take this one on the chin then. He's grown into his chin, you know. Just, I've got Google images up. There's a picture of him as a youngster at Man City, and he's he's more chin than man. Right. I think the. the I realise we're straying into cheap
1: shot territory here, by the way. We
2: are, but I think the trend towards because he seems to be carrying a little bit of stubble now, and that. Like a desperate dance style. He kind of thing. looks a bit like Rob Green, weirdly. What? He's turned from Jimmy Hill into Rob Green.
3: I think Weaver has kind of dragged him down a bit because I'm sure that when he first started on the Champo commentary, he was like a, a refreshing change from Goodman. But it's, I think somehow, maybe it's that constant chipping away at him where he's like, oh, you were dead slow, weren't you? And he's like, yes, yes, Gary, ha ha. <laughs> Let me just get back to complaining about a penalty. You're right, You're right about the chin.
1: Uh, right about the chin. Mm-hmm. He's filled out. rest of his face is catching up. He's matured into his head, hasn't he? Yeah. No, no, fair play. It's the shit that comes out of his mouth that's the issue. Right. Who was, was nominating who? Sorry. Um, are, you taking, are you taking Hinchcliffe or are you taking um, Pierce? Uh, Pierce. Yeah, it's a long standing grudge. I mean, I didn't even hear Hinchcliffe this week. Right.
2: So I feel bad to nominate him. Well, although, the, although also I don't.
3: I enjoyed the cheap shots as we've categorised them from Mal and from House of Stokes about whoever made the goalposts at Plymouth and made them a bit too small. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if anybody. If, um, if Warnock had been in charge, he would have been down there with the tape measure, wouldn't he? <laughs> oh, a qualified referee. And uh, he would have been checking all that, but um, it felt like somebody had not done their job properly. So maybe you want to... The goal makers of
2: Devon? Yeah, they've come up from League One last year. They probably did, did them wrong Yeah, in League One. Square posts. It's really, post it's really
1: shambolic. You're not allowed square posts anymore, are you? you know. Got to be round. Happened uh, at Hull, didn't it? They
3: were, they were soaring the bottom of the goal mm. posts off earlier in the season, so it can happen.
1: Yes. I want to
2: see stripes around the bottom of goal posts as well. You don't see them anymore.
1: No. I don't know what they were for.
2: Well, you know what, know, it was a nice thing that you, you see know, on
1: old footage. On lampposts, they put that sort of black coating around at the bottom, don't they, for, to stop dogs pissing on them. I always kind of think of that when I see tape around Does posts. Does that to stop dogs pissing on them? Yes, yeah, because the the piss erodes the metal. Oh, so they, okay. So they, it protects the bottom of the... Oh, it doesn't stop them pissing on it, it just protects yeah. it from piss. Yeah. Because no, that's it's different. The, it's the owners
2: who would say, no, don't do that. I was going to say, because that's different things. Yeah. Because like a jacket would protect you from piss. Yeah, or just. Asking someone not to piss on you would be a different measure. you, unlike you, just, you do it, just,
3: i pay you. If we're going on, uh, we on <laughs> those lines, we could attach um, some equipment and turn them into uh, toucan crossings. Mm. Mm. Paint uh, zebra lines in the goalposts, a little button there,
1: sign telling Melia to wait. I wonder if the tape back in the olden days around the post was just about a height thing, so they knew how deep to put the posts. Mm. Oh, that's a bit boring.
2: Okay, fine. Hey, or, speaking of Warnock, by the way,
3: so given how uh, accurate the, the goalposts were at Plymouth, just chop them all down and put a couple of bikes there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Seems fair, yeah. Chuck your BMX down, yeah. Use totally it as used to use as goalposts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slight risk of death as you fall onto the uh, the
1: stunt week, the stunt nuts, but you'll be all right. No, if you angle, if you angle it backwards, so it's only mm-hmm. the wheels that are acting as the main sort of posts. No, it's a good shout, that Moscow. I was going to say, speaking of Warnock. Uh, Rubers has had a bit of a, I think it's a cheap shot, or is it a petty grievance? Sick of seeing his craggy bonds just fuck off, will you? He won't be there long, really. Come be. on, no. It's all just a laugh. Like you're saying, I think
3: Aberdeen have probably played it, I don't know what's in it for, the, for them really, they have to deal with him, but waited until after the transfer window's closed, and as long as they don't make the Huddersfield mistake of not appointing someone in the summer, because that's the deal, is that he's there until summer when they're going to get a proper manager and go forward with a new strategy. Huddersfield started along those lines but then got to summer and then they got through to August with him still being there so I thought I'd help them out they couldn't find anybody to take their own they're a great bunch of lads here he's just still turning up yeah whereas you know the whole Warnock's whole emphasis on the fact that he's going to be like he wish he played golf because he's going to have a lot of time to caddy for his son on the golf courses of Scotland and and that he'd uh, I think he brought his start date of the job Forward, he wasn't due to start from the wheel, but they had the, the big game at Ibrox. Was, oh, I've always I've always fancied managing yeah. against the Rangers at Ibrox. I thought I'd start early, so he had absolutely kind of nothing to contribute to them playing Rangers tactically. He's not going to be coaching his ideas or anything like that. He wanted
1: a day out at Ibrox, didn't
3: he? He just wanted the like basically the, the, the to play act as an, an opposition manager at Ibrox, and his whole thing like oh. We're going to have a good. I like putting smiles on faces. and We're going to have a good to, if time. You, if, you you have a heard, if you haven't
1: heard that, we've well, done a, a greatest hits version of that on this week's propaganda, so you can go back and have a listen to that. Yeah, and also, it, and Moscow is not exaggerating. That is exactly what he did,
2: yeah. and it, and also him displaying his depth of knowledge of Scottish <laughs> yeah. football as well. When he said Rangers and Celtic have, have, have done well, have yeah. done well. Yeah,
3: and so Rubis is right that we essentially we have to put up with all this. Yeah, but like because he wants to go and have a nice six months, just working in like working part time in Scotland, get some golf in and meeting the cooks. And um, he could, he could do all this without being on the telly. But unfortunately, a consequence of Warnock being in work is that he will be all over the uh, sport websites and here that we, we just can't escape him because he fancies doing that. It's always the, it's always the example of it. this is the thing that always, I mean, to take it in weird odd direction with the Joey Barton stuff, some random ex-Bristol Rovers manager just decides to tweet a load of stuff one day and it dominates the news for the next month. Like, who has that power? And somehow Neil Warnock has that similar power. He's like, oh, I don't think I've been on telly for a while. I think I'll, I'll have a job at Aberdeen. And then they'll all come and interview me because it's just like, that's it. To be able to click your fingers and just go like, that happens. Somebody goes and, you know, starts a new job at a, a different bank. They do start a press conference. And everyone, oh, everyone's going to turn up. But to, to be able to do that. It's a real weird thing, for some, power for
2: somebody to be invested with. Is it, who's he taking in terms of coaching staff up there, do you know? Ah, uh, got uh, Has he got, has he got his usual boys with him? He didn't mention him. Normally at the press conference he'd mention, like, oh, Blackie loves it up here, oh, he's going to go with me. Maybe they've all reacted
3: like Sharon did. Aberdeen, looking <laughs> going there. Um, Although he does say he's got a nice house up there. So there is also the potential that if I, he I gets looked up where, uh,
2: I looked up where his house is in Scotland, it is the other side. It's still a four-hour drive, which admittedly is nearer than Cornwall, but... If he
3: gets um, Jeppo and the gang up there, all living in the same
1: house... <laughs> Dear God. Uh, are you going to stand for this, Michael? We've got a cheap shot being taken, another G- another bold fraud. Dickie Woods pointing out the the bold Plymouth manager celebrating their equaliser like he just discovered fire. I do just want to confirm Jeppo is the assistant manager. Thank Good. God. Yeah. Are you standing for that? Uh, he was very wet, wasn't he? Bless yeah. him. As, as you pointed out, was it on propaganda you were saying you got a waterproof head, or was it on the yes. basketball? Yes, yeah. yeah. Whereas well, you said you take it on like a sponge. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, no, I think I think let him off that Plymouth manager, whatever his name was. <laughs> I can't quite remember it.
1: Not Schumacher, the new one, the bald one. There were annoyances that the security guards, as Brian um, describes them at Plymouth, who didn't let the Leeds fans hug Willie So If you travel that far and sit through that downpour, you deserve to love you, Willie. I agree.
2: I think we should just give it to Jonathan Pierce. I'm not even contesting it. All right, there's no no. I didn't enjoy listening to him either. I suppose he must have done some of our games on Channel Five back in the day. They were probably all right. Mm. Michael Bridges scoring or whatever. Some but... of the
3: under twenty. Yeah, he has definitely got worse over the over the years. But he is at the point where if there's a game that I'm so so about watching, and Jonathan Pearce is doing the commentary, just it's not bother.
1: Yeah, how, how old he's is
3: he Sixty four. Retire. Yeah, it's like the last years of um, Alan Green when he was on Radio Five, and every game would just be. I love listening to football on the radio, I think. Um, it's very atmospheric, isn't it? Yeah, and I grew up doing that when there wasn't much uh, as much football on TV. And Did you all used to
1: gather around the wireless?
3: No, just me. And then, but yeah, Alan Green during the end where he's like sitting, watching Chelsea versus Man United who just bitterly complaining about somebody like standing up to block his view or doing a full, um, I mean, this is the thing. What's Sheffield United's manager called? Chris Wilder Chris, doing a full Chris Wilder. Sorry, I forgot your name. For a Premier League manager, he's like, "Some somebody's left crumbs in the, the commentary position." Uh, I've been doing this for forty years, and I can't believe how horrible this game is. It's Matt Lawrence like? If you had Green and Lawrence <laughs> together, where's more like? Oh, this Bit, game is about so the, rude, Bitching about yeah. the, the vegan food in the press room and all that kind of thing. So it was all pretty bad. And I think Jonathan Pearce just needs to kind of give somebody else a go. That's always the thing about like these people. Do not need to be guaranteed jobs until the end of time that is like applicable for them to just stop at some point, and someone else. It was try.
1: bring
2: you, back Robot Wars. Yeah. Let him do that. Yeah, he yeah, has it? come back, but he's not doing it. Oh, no, that's disgusting, re-
3: hasn't it? I don't know if it's in this country, but there's definitely like a like a rebooted Robot Wars thing, which looks. um, I don't think he would. like, I mean, it's not. A, they
1: need to be careful with Robot Wars. We've seen weapons in Terminator. When well, when is,
3: is, Skynet becomes self-aware, we're fucked. This is it. It's not shopping trolleys and a like a remote control anymore it's all like these things do look at what point is he going to launch the nuclear exoset at
1: the at the other one maybe jo- maybe Jonathan Pierce's commentary is just AI generated maybe he's just a bot there's no way of knowing is it? did you see him on telly no exactly didn't see it. it didn't happen let's move on then to the Gitano Barati Hero of the Week award we'll factor in the scores from the last couple of games as well top 3 or 4 performers for the Bristol game Archie Gray came out man of the match one out of 10 RTSB Plus members scored him on average at Rodon over 8 as well then Willie Georgie Cree Gruev is really climbing the charts as well and he came out as man of the match for the Plymouth game with an 8.7 average out of 10 Cree Farker scored highly as well for his management of that one again Georgie Wilf Rodon you know all the usual names which leaves Crescencio Somerville Top of the pops for Player of the Year so far. 7.28 average out of 10. Joe Rodon, just a fraction behind, as is Ampadu. Dan James there as well with Georgie. It,
2: it feels right this year, Does Player of the Year. At this point last year, it was all wrong. I didn't want any of them to win it. And you still had Brendan Aronson somewhere because he had a few early decent performances. And then Dan James was still up there because he'd played and let then left. Whereas this feels like all the, all the players I think have been good this year. Uh, in the top six I've got
1: a feeling and it's, you know, and it's just right There's my prediction for this and I don't want to steer the vote but I've got a feeling that Rodon might end up creeping away with this because people are starting to notice now his excellence and I think it will have a bearing on the marks that get given out for the rest of the season whereas Somerville's just kind of been doing it all all season people are bored of that old news see I think if Rutter can add a few more goals mm. I
2: think he's got a chance too because he's just the most enthusiastic boy in the world uh-huh. If,
3: uh may sneak in there if we review his scores at some point and kind of uh, reduce the weight given to when he came, just like came for two minutes off the bench mm-hmm. and got four
1: Yeah, there's the breaks so those players do feature in the nominations for the era of the week award who do you want to take each do you want to
2: I think Willie Nonto because he's back isn't he sort
1: of he's played well twice is what I'm saying in a week but and you, you hang on a second you were demanding 27 goals out of him this season for and he's redem- trying his best for redemption
2: You've, at, ca- you've caved haven't you no at last he's doing it he's got two in a week if he gets two every week to the end of the season it won't get to 27 but it'll be pretty good
1: and I think he um, I don't know the way he do you know what if he did, if he got two in a week to the end of the season I think it's 12 or 13 weeks to the end of the season so he would there you go then perfect
2: oh. I don't know the way he's celebrated and I quite enjoyed Rutter trying to get people to like him again going over and pointing at him while he did the whee, whee, hey, ways. Hey. i just feel like this has been a week maybe of of learning to love him again and right. we can we're we, we, we healing again we can remember him as the as the cheeky little scamp that we signed last year who we pinned everything on for a little while while everyone else was completely shit it
3: was nice the celebrations of his goal were mentioned on the match ball with the guy who ended up sort of leaning over the well Folded, throw, folded, folded over the uh, advertising <laughs> hoardings, and then um, Nyonto's contribution was trying to try and help him back over. He's like instead of just leaving him there, and you've seen that some like Premier League players. I'm thinking, I'm imagining particularly Old Trafford, picturing some of their horrible rat-faced players, kind of as it's near to, to sneering and spitting at anybody who comes near to them. Whereas Wilf was like you're all right, you need me to help you up, help you over, and then the stewards appeared and were like, you don't need to do this, actually. He can't be touching um, the general public, will he? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with this guy. And then was it was it this game, I think it was actually the weekend, it was Bristol when he uh, he slapped Archie, wasn't it? That was all quite nice, Archie came over. Afterwards. It was like mm-hmm. a good goal, and he biffed him one. <laughs> I think he was quite pumped up with the adrenaline, I'm not sure if um, Archie was expecting...
1: Um, so I do m- most most shows, on the nose. you know, just as we, as we finish recording, just come off and chin Michael. It's fine, I enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy it. Good show, yeah. Meg, bang!
2: <laughs> I, get, I go for the Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank face grab. Yeah. I think that's my, my way of getting people pumped up. I, I tend to do it to Rob, though, because he's younger. Pick on, pick on the younger people. Jimmy
3: picking on Ian Hart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I will say, as much as I'm nominating non I do also like Dan James's platform shoes who was nominating Nonto but in doing so it has to be that little fucking (laughs) chode. He didn't even play that brilliantly but after the season he'd been through that celebration meant everything and he's got most of the fans back on board in an instant. I
1: mean the truth truth is all you need to do is is do it in a shirt while you've signed a contract do it in the shirt as best you can. That's all we're asking it. Exactly. It's actually quite simple. Um, I've just realised I've just
3: thought we should have um, in light of the latest comments on Paul Pazabam's Podcast nominated as villains, the people who like parked outside his house after he missed a penalty against
1: Newcastle. Yeah, me and Michael regret that now, don't we? It felt unnecessary. Don't, um, don't go to the players' houses. It's like you can be annoyed at them, but it's a game, isn't it? Um,
3: you can, though, I would suggest go to Ilya Gruff's house, wait outside for him to come home, and then cheer and like shake his hands and like throw some party poppers in the air and stuff because he's been dead good and he might like that. If you're going to go to a footballer's house do something like that give them like a pleasant <laughs> surprise um go to go there in times of uh, like when people went around bielsa's after we'd won promotion hmm. that's that's a good time to do these things and yeah gruff for winning hero of the week which he's going to do because you know you said we're supposed to be shouting each other about this how dare you even nominate what so
2: i thought it was gruff um
3: i I wish I could remember the name of somebody pointed out in one of the uh, TSP Plus feedback sessions, pointed to a video with his dad, an interview in Bulgaria. Um, thank you for telling us about this. Um, but I'm sorry that I didn't know your name down. His dad isn't saying it himself again. We're still lacking that moment of, of him a member of the family pronouncing it for themselves. but the Say pres- hi, my name is. Yeah. yeah, but the presenter is, and I can sort of understand listening to it where the confusion has come from between gruev, which is what we thought it was, and then groif, mm-hmm. where they're rhyming with croif, which is what Bryn Law, because it's kind of a bit of a combination of the two. Mm. It's groif. 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 So it is a, it's a Gruev, ev but, but with a bit of an F about it. So it's a groif.
2: Gruff. <laughs> um, if he was just Gruff, he could join the Welsh players. Griff, Which would be nice. Yeah, I did. I was trying to...
3: I said, did I say this on here or was it just something I told Rob? I was trying to inch towards call some kind of way of calling him like Owain Griff, mm. Like to really... Or just pretend he's Welsh. He can, but I don't think... Uh, it'd be a little unfair to force him to renounce his proud Bulgarian international career <laughs> and make him play for Wales. Whether he... Uh, Which want, you couldn't do now. Whether because, he wanted yeah. to or not. But yeah, so it seems to be. I think if you're giving it the full Bulgarian oomph, then it's a bit of
1: gruff, 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 gruff. I'm just talking, like, about, sorry, just talking about neighbors, by the way. Just let me externalize this thought. It was Piru who did a uh, an interview saying, I think, I remember something to do his, his personal circumstances, but living out of the city with his partner and their child, because the club had advised them not to live in the city centre if possible think, you know, just a bit of peace and quiet out towards the countryside. You'll be bothered less, that kind of thing. A bit closer to the training ground. Live over that way. northeast Leeds or whatever. And he, he mentioned that it's, it's nice out here. I've got uh, Jorginho as my neighbour. <laughs> and you just wonder what that would be like, wouldn't you? I mean, Georgie.
2: Coming round to play PlayStation, begging you to play PlayStation at 2am. Big
1: fucking Flamingo in his front room, in his uh, front garden.
3: They are both big fans of anime. So they probably just put some... Films on and watch those together, that would be quite nice. They've got a lot of interests in common despite their contrasting personalities. I didn't know that
2: Yeah, the anime. Because we go back to to Griffiths, um, I think Sarah summed it up nicely for quietly slogging away and doing good stuff for about four hours. <laughs> <laughs> which does sum it up, it's just been really good. For, it's hard
1: doing anything for four hours, isn't it?
2: But yeah, just first to last minute,
1: Yeah,
2: running about, tackling, passing. Turns out it's quite good, which is a relief because often lead sign players, and you go, your first instinct is like, oh, I'm not sure about this person. Benefit of the doubt, I'm sure Big Kev is going to kick on from this, admittedly, shambolic performance against Sheffield Wednesday reserves, and they never ever did. Which you went to see. The reason I I remembered it is because it came up on my um, Google Photos, chucks you up like memories. Yeah. And there was a a short video of him limping off the (laughs) pitch that I'd taken. I was like, yeah, that was about as good as it got for him, wasn't it?
1: But yeah, it's um, he's he looks like a very useful player now. Just realised we're recording this on the 8th of February and we've won every game this year, haven't we? Is that right? I mean, we drew with Plymouth, didn't we? Yeah, but if we exclude that. Technically. but So if we exclude that, ultimately, we didn't win, we won every ultimate,
2: Ultimately, we, we won, won we? the tie. We won the tie. So, that's all that matters in so Cubs, isn't it?
1: I was just going to say, it gives us a good list to, to pick from. There's a lot of people who've done a lot of good things, like Rodon getting a lot of love. Again, don't fall in love with a lone player. That's what
2: Will says, but he has. I'm slowly coming around to the idea that he's more than good enough for the Premier League as well. With Rodon. because there's that bit, isn't there? When you first get someone, you're like, well, let's not let's not be hasty. If we do go up, maybe you you want to upgrade generally. But he's he just looks really good in every game.
3: Mm. Yeah, there's a momentum can carry you a long way, and that's where we kind of went wrong last time. Is that we used the momentum, got up to ninth, and you probably you know that's when. Uh, Liam Cooper is the big story because everyone's like, oh, he won't be good enough for the Premier League. But when we finished ninth, he was perfectly good enough for the Premier League. And then we tried replacing him with Llorente and Cock, and they were, we turned into absolute shambles. And then Cooper came back in and because everything had gone to a shambles. He was also fairly shambolic um, and was as bad as anybody on the way down. But it's that building and the way that you move on um, and not just putting a a Jesse Marsh sized break on momentum at some point, and uh, with Victor Orta picking the players to replace good players. And so, I think if we go up and everything's positive, then there's no reason why Joe Roden can't because his previous attempts at the Premier League have been like a few minutes getting into Tottenham's team and all that stuff, which is kind of like what held Griff back earlier, where it's like five minutes here, ten minutes there, don't really work. Um, and we know he's he was all right in the top league in France playing for Correct. so if he can play for then um, the Rodon and that was Groove as he would be called if he was playing in France Yeah. it should be fine
1: it'll be fine right let's uh, move this thing along and get it wrapped up um, some formal commendations Doffs of the Cap to uh, to hand out Ryan Lowe great stand up guy mm-hmm. boss of the Mighty Lily Whites old North End home of the fine bus station Preston for their great work beating Ipswich do you want to formally commend Ryan Lowe or are we no. just off in the cap
3: no that game gave me the fear because um, Ipswich brought on Kiefer Moore at half time and he scored twice and that makes me think they will start him in the next game and he's going to score two goals per half for the rest of the season <laughs> right. and if he does that that's probably like enough for them to go he'll out, outscore full, Willy Nonto as well four goals a game from uh, <laughs> Kiefer Moore is probably going to be worth quite a lot to them so right. no ok no, just not entertaining that nope. no not uh, fair none whatsoever I'd give Ipswich three points for that. In fact, I don't care.
1: And Sarah wants to give a doff of the cap to um, Rob Low. It was the ref, wasn't it? Rob Low, not Rob Low. He's a uh, Rob jo- Rob Jones. I was Rob thinking, Jones. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of the the movie star rather than the former Liverpool fullback. But there you go. So Rob uh, Jones, let's go with that. Go with the Mel- the Welsh lads for not fucking about with injury time in that rain. Yeah, it was zero
2: minutes first half. Ten seconds early in extra time, absolutely fine. Let's get off. This game's finished.
1: And for being quite hench as well, looking good, mm. yeah. and a, d- a decent all-round performance. And you can tell the difference between EFL and the Premier League. I know the Premier League refs take a, take a lot of stick, but he was one of the good ones. Probably put on because it was on BBC One. I think we have had him this season, and he was atrocious. Right, fine, <laughs> dickhead ref. All right, go on, come on. Then let's let's wrap it up. Who's having the the hero of the week? Is it Willie or is it? It's Groof. Groof. It's Groof.
2: I suppose if Willie's going to get two a week for the rest of the season, he can have it in a future week.
1: Yeah. And Fine. he's been given plenty of acknowledgement in recent weeks. Keep it up, you naughty little scamp. So, groof, 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 groof. Yes. Excellent. We'll, uh, we'll go off and practice our pronunciations of that and we will, uh, we'll catch up with you, with Phil, before the Rotherham game and on the match ball after the Rotherham game, where we will hopefully have secured three more points. Yes. We'll speak then. The Square Ball Podcast.